Lang Mzanzi, Nolutando Ngakani here, and I am the head of news at Health for Mzanzi, the brand new baby sister of Food for Mzanzi. On Health for Mzanzi, we explore the often complex relationship between health and food. With me, my co-sister and colleague, Sinesi Potom. Hey Lulu and to all listeners, welcome to Sisters Without Shame, a no-holds-barred podcast that is proudly brought to you by Health for Mzanzi. Now, if you are still scratching your head, wondering why this podcast is called Sisters Without Shame, well, you know those secret medical shames you simply cannot share with anybody else. You don't need to suffer in silence anymore, babes. Yes, Mzanzi. Every week, we will be your sisters in shame, holding your hand as we unpack your ailments with an expert who has all the right answers to those embarrassing health questions you would not dare ask in public. This podcast is a safe space and a judgment-free zone for my baby. So if you have a suspicious bum pimple, or maybe you can't seem to get rid of chronic BO, no problem, you have definitely come to the right podcast. Bonasine, this weekend was busy, man. Kanye and Dubai, Kim's Balenciaga outfit, a lot was going on. I think a highlight for me every week is helping a listener with you. Soppiness and sentimental feels aside, let's get into it with our Friend in Crisis segment. Now, as our listeners do know, on every episode, we will listen to a voice note, read a WhatsApp, or email message received from a Health from Zanzi reader. Remember, your messages are confidential and we will never mention your name unless you want us to. Who is our distressed friend in need this week, Sine? You know, Lily, when you mention Kanyimbao, I think of the song Shindo Day Dubai. <laughs> Yo, she made my weekend. You know, imagine, you know, going to Dubai with your man and then telling him, babe, I'm going to the salon. Kanti, when are you are leaving Dubai and coming back to South Africa and your man has to find out from social media? That was hilarious. I feel like Kanye Mbao should lead the women's conference at the end of the year. And, you know, she gave back the power to the woman. I stand, I stand, I stand, I stand a queen. You know, they say it's very important for women to have Imaliokjiga, which is money to go back home. So when you visit a man, always make sure you have backup or plan B to go home when things turn left. Now to shut left. <laughs> but anyway, Lulu. This week, we received a writing from a friend in the free state who writes, I am a woman in my 40s and I have never had an orgasm. Is there something wrong with me? It's not that I have not been trying, either. I was 19 when I lost my virginity. It was also the guy's first time, too. Afterwards, I couldn't help but think, this is sex? I was disappointed, man. Things, unfortunately, did not get any better in my 20s and 30s. I've had a few partners, but it has done nothing for me. I even gave up and decided to wait until marriage. I married at 36 and still nothing. I spoke to my gynae about it and they suggested I masturbate. When I tell you ladies that I was excited to finally know what I was missing. My question to you though is how can I achieve an orgasm with my husband? We do intimate things like touch and kiss but sex never ends in fireworks for me. This write-in honestly makes me so anxious. Nerves, man. 
So, you know me and Dr. Googs are close and we're tight. So, I did do a young search. And I found out that there are many women who find that they cannot climax during penile vaginal sex. In fact, only 10% of women easily climax. Most women are in the remaining 80 to 90%. Luz, I love concrete facts. I think I would rather get some perspective from our guest this week. Cape Town-based alignment and intimacy coach, New Davidson. Is there something wrong with our friend who cannot seem to orgasm? You know, what could be a possible reason for not being able to reach completion? I want to just start off by disclaiming that I am not a clinician and I am not a therapist. So just to be clear, I'm an alignment and intimacy coach. So when I speak on this, this is where I'm speaking from. This is something that I think so many people can relate to. And you're quite right in saying that predominantly females and those who identify as female can often feel that we carry a tremendous amount of the burden and it's up to us. And it's often because that's part of our learning about giving and that it's in a lot of the education that we, we've got, it's, you know, it's basic on reproductive sexual experiences. So it's about having a baby and kind of serving and offering up our body. In so many ways, I mean, if you look at the porn where a lot of people get get a lot of their education, unfortunately, because it is not a great resource, it is predominantly women giving to men in a heterosexual situation. So no, you are not broken if you cannot orgasm. There are many women, many, many, many people with vulvas across the globe who cannot orgasm and who've never experienced an orgasm. And this can be for a variety of different reasons. Things to consider with orgasm is where your head is. So your mental health status is extremely important. Yes, there can be physiological situations happening, which is where seeking help from your medical professional, like a gynae, is really good because then they can just assess if there is a reason medically why you may not be able to achieve climax. But a large majority of women who cannot achieve an orgasm, when I say women, let's just clarify here to be gender inclusive that I am referring to people with vulvas. I mean, a lot of the reason why a lot of women can't orgasm is because of mental health status and where our heads are at. Also, we are having, potentially women are having intercourse that they are not satisfied with in the sense that it's not about their pleasure. So I just want to bring in the pleasure realm of asking yourself and checking in, where are you with your mental health? What is happening in your mind? You cannot achieve an orgasm if you are running through your to-do list of like, shit, I didn't do the groceries, must hang the laundry, are the kids fed, must pack lunchboxes, oh my gosh, the toys are on the floor. Your list never stops because naturally we are caregivers. So if you are the caregiver in being someone who caregives and house takes, if you go back like way back into, into hunter-gatherer times, we predominantly, the women were village caregivers. They maintained, they protected, they built a village on that front. So if you really go back to the sources, in my personal opinion, I think that's where it kind of stems from. Women are looked at to give, and that's what we perceive ourselves as givers predominantly. So yeah, I would say definitely you are not broken and that is, you know, it's not like hope is all lost. Mental health is a huge state where your head is at. And then second to that, having the pleasure that is good for you. So often we are having intercourse that is not what we're looking for and not what we want. And often that's also because you don't even know what you want. I mean, so few women have taken the time to actually enjoy and explore their bodies and actually felt like, oh, that feels really good. Oh, I want a little bit more of that. Again, the information that is given to us broadly in media, porn and sexual education 
it's like the only thing we look at sex and a lot of people relate sex to just penis and vagina bang bang and then you're supposed to have an orgasm no majority <laughs> i think i stand corrected on the statistics of it but it's like over 80 percent of women people with vulvas experience an orgasm by clitoral stimulation so not by vulval like literally penetrative intercourse necessarily there needs to be a bit of clitoral stimulation so that's definitely something that I think is missed in a lot of the education that we get. So, you know, one of the biggest issues with intimacy and pleasure is that many women don't enjoy it because they don't reach orgasm. What advice do you have for women or couples in this area? It's going to sound a bit strange, but stop focusing on the orgasm. It's all about the orgasm, right? So we're looking towards the intercourse and the intimacy that is just predominantly focused on an orgasm, putting it on the pedestal, making it the finish line. Intimacy is not only about the orgasm. If you rather focus on the journey rather than the destination, the destination will come. And I think we fixate so much energy on completion and orgasm that it becomes pressure. And when you apply pressure to yourself or to your partner, you're very unlikely to actually achieve that orgasm. Because you know that thing of like, okay, hurry up. Oh gosh, I'm taking too long. Again, can you see what's happening? We're getting into our heads. You're getting into that motion of like, oh my gosh, okay, I need to hurry up. Oh my goodness, I'm taking so long. Oh my gosh, they're tired. Oh my goodness, this. And you start to really like then self-talk yourself out of an orgasm. So my number one recommendation is to stop focusing on the orgasm and focus on the journey and the experience. Focus on the intimacy. What feels good to you? How do you enjoy it? Do you want more of it? How are you communicating that to your partner? And naturally the orgasm will come. If you are enjoying the experience, then the orgasm almost becomes irrelevant and then naturally it will happen. Back to when you said, stop focusing on the orgasm. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's because like other girls will obviously tell you like, this is how they experience it. And like, you obviously want to like emulate that kind of experience for yourself as well. Like they say this earth shattering thing. And then you also looking for that earth shattering thing. And then you just don't get it. That's the thing with comparison though, and that's where it becomes so dangerous because we do, and and obviously it's so great to share and to share one's experiences and hopefully to be honest and truthful about those experiences so that we manage one's expectation. But it really is if you remove the concept and the chase to orgasm, it's the same for penis owners, right? If they just go in for a wham, bam, thanks, ma'am, I just want to, you know, shoot one out, then it's totally, it defeats the pleasure experience in a sense, the other partner or how are you enjoying it? It's about you taking ownership of your pleasure and guiding your partner along your journey with you. No one is giving anyone, and this is a statement I make all the time, no one's giving anyone an orgasm. We are merely facilitating each other's orgasms. I like that one. What is your opinion on toys? You know, are they recommend, do you have any recommendations for beginners and also any advice on what to stay away from? Is it also possible to become less sensitive to manual clitoral stimulation after using a vibrator? I think that's a very a myth almost. So love toys, very pro toys. You can check out my Instagram. I do do a lot of information about toys, how to pick toys, what we're looking for, and also the variety because shopping for a toy can be hella overwhelming. There is so much variety nowadays in each category. So my number one recommendation for anyone shopping for a toy is think about what stimulation you do want. What do you enjoy? Do you enjoy only external clitoral stimulation? Do you enjoy internal stimulation? Do you enjoy dual stimulation? Do you like the idea of a vibrator? Do you like the idea of a still object like a dildo? 
and really looking at what type of stimulation are you looking for a toy that you can use as a couple are you looking for just a solo toy even though a lot of solo toys can still be used as a couple because it's a great way of introducing a toy to your partner and that can also be a tricky one is you know for some reason i think in our culture here in south africa particularly and again referring to a heterosexual relationship a lot of men can be intimidated by toys when they think like oh why are you getting a toy am i not good enough is a statement i hear all too often in my offices so I really think it's about introducing it and giving your partner the power also to shop with you. And it can be introduced in such a way that you are like, so I want to spice up our sex life. What do you think? Should we go and shop for a toy together? Make it something you do together if you're shopping as a couple. No surprises because you want them to be included in the situation, not a, oh, by the way, I got this toy. Cool. Now I'm going to use it. You almost want it to be like you're adding the spice, you're adding variety to a sex life together. And then thinking about what stimulation you do want helps give you the guidance as to like what category you should be looking into. And then within that category alone, there's a whole bunch of options. So let's say, for example, a beginner toy for a person with a vulva. I often say a clitoral stimulator is a great way. So even the little bullet vibrator, which is like a little lipstick looking, it's like the size of a finger-ish and it vibrates and you just hold that over your clitoris. Or if you're looking for an internal, rabbit vibrators are super popular. So that's dual. That means you have internal and external stimulation, which is great. And then penis owners, there are great cock rings that you can get, which also vibrate. Uh, and there are really amazing different types of devices that offer like almost like a suction as well so there's definitely a lot of variety and options so just look around for what type of stimulation you're looking for and that should offer you some guidance and then just on a side note on the toys please use lubricant please use a water-based lubricant because lube is your friend you always want to use lube wetter is better i am a huge advocate for it so please use lube and clean your toys with just warm water or an actual toy cleaner. No soap because you'll start to degrade the silicone and also the scent of the soap will stay in the silicone. So just warm water, salted water or an actual toy cleaner, which you can buy with your toy at the toy store. Water-based lubricant, oil-based and silicone-based lubes break down latex and silicone properties. So don't use an oil-based or silicone lubricant if you're using condoms or sex toys, just as a side note. Your question with regards to can do damage and overstimulate the clitoris. So sure, but I mean, we're talking excessive use on an excessive yeah. use on the clitoris. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to do so much nerve damage. Our body is incredible at how, at the rate in which it regenerates its cells and our nerve endings. So in actual fact, you know, if you take a little bit of a break and you feel like the stimulation isn't as powerful as it was, then put your vibrator away, stop using it and use your hands. Go back to basics and start exploring your body with a non-vibrating toy and slowly but surely your senses and your sensitivity will come back. As far as I know, that's to my knowledge. I also wanted to ask, you know, like just a side question, why is masturbation then shamed in society? Why is it frowned upon? Like you all made feel so ashamed for exploring your body and stuff. So again, I think that is hugely, in my personal opinion, something that was thrown across to a lot of female orientated people because it was associated with for shameful and associated with like being promiscuous and dirty and you're a slut. You know, there were lots of heavy names and shameful things that came from that. 
And I really think that origin comes from a lot of religious backgrounds and cultures. And that really wasn't advocated for decades and decades. Women's pleasure has not been at the forefront of, of people's radars. And it was, again, we go back to the education, unfortunately, that most have had. And a lot of the curriculum really points towards male satisfaction, not female satisfaction. I think it's awful that people have been shamed and we can all relate to it, myself included, on beginning to explore your body and then you're caught and you're shamed or it's a very, very normal and really good thing to explore your body. How can you ask someone to give you pleasure if you don't even know what is pleasurable for yourself. So I am a huge advocate for it, not to mention it has extremely good health benefits. Actually, it's a de-stressor. You can help your period cramps with it. You can cure a headache with it. There are some amazing side effects and benefits from masturbating. So I'm a huge advocate for it and do believe that everyone should explore their bodies. And you have a right to. It's your body. Why not? Because they'd always say like you grow things like hair on your hands, you know, all those ridiculous old wives tales about masturbation yeah. <laughs> or you'll go blind. Ugh. We're in the 21st century. We've got to start rewriting these scripts. We've got to start having these very important conversations that you guys are having because it does. It shines light and really debunks a lot of those ridiculous myths, actually. Mm. So it's about time we start rescripting those messages. Speaking of toys, um, what mm. are your must-haves in terms of a satisfying physical relationship? For instance, if someone wants to start a physical relationship, can you suggest a checklist or kit that could help them? Easy toys, books, honesty, frequency, commitment, etc. That's a layered question. <laughs> I get asked all the time. I wish I had a, a checklist blueprint I could send out that would result in everyone's satisfaction. If I did, I'd probably be a millionaire and I'd be super famous because everyone would want it. Unfortunately, my biggest advice for anyone wanting a satisfying relationship and sexual relationship is to find what intimacy looks like to you, uniquely to you. We are all unique individuals. We cannot compare. We cannot take blueprints and checklists and put them to ourselves. Sure, there are tools out there that help that do give us guidance, but ultimately you have to take responsibility on seeking your own pleasure and seeking what intimacy and pleasure looks like to you. And wanting to gather all the tools that are available and suggested that do help that. So I do, I, I would say my biggest advice would be to find what pleasure and intimacy looks like to you as an individual, and then mapping how to communicate that clearly to your partner, having healthy boundaries of what you do not like, as well as having a clear indication as to what you do want and you do like, and then opening that negotiation. And I call it a negotiation because it is. It's a conversation between two people sharing an intimate experience together, what works well for each of you. And then how do you map that and overlay that together to achieve a satisfying experience? Speaking of pleasure, is sexual pleasure a human right? Can it be considered a human right? So I love that you asked that because it actually is. And I have the current World Sexual Health Association was and World Health Association's definition of sexual health. And I just want to read that to you just because it is so wonderful that you brought that up. The definition from WHO in 2002 and was rewritten in 2017 is a definition of sexual health, a state of physical, emotional, mental, and social well-being in the relation to sexuality 
it is not merely the absence of disease, dysfunction, or infimility. Sexual health requires a positive and respectful approach to sexuality and sexual relationships, as well as the possibility of having pleasurable and safe sexual experiences free from coercion, discrimination, and violence. So that is the current definition of sexual health and sexual rights. It is absolutely a sexual right to have pleasure. Do we say womanda to that one as well? Yes, womanda! For sure! That is something to be celebrated, for sure. Oh, that's good news to hear, hey? It is. I was actually just telling Lulu earlier, we were in the World Association, the WAS 2021 Congress this weekend, and there was a lot of talk and introduction of sexual pleasure being included in the forefront of a lot of the rewrite of sexual education and the curriculum. So that is very exciting. That pleasure is now being included in a lot of these studies and a lot of the criteria. Very big moment for pleasure. It's nice to know that you're not just allowed to be used <laughs> and stuff for pleasure. You also have rights to get some satisfaction Absolutely. out of it. You want to enjoy that interaction. Otherwise, what is the point in doing it? I've got a bestie who always says, like, if she doesn't feel like the vibe and stuff once they're doing the deed, she's not afraid to, like, kick you out of her house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to kick someone out of the house. I mean, sure, they're crossing a boundary. But it's about knowing what isn't comfortable for yourself and being able to vocalize that. And I just want to be clear on here that anyone has the right to say no. Consent is absolutely key and you are allowed to change your mind halfway through. You're allowed to change your mind at any point in the interaction that if you do not feel it and it is something that you are not wanting to do or you are not for it, Mm. you absolutely can say no and you should communicate that vocally. Consent looks like a hell yes. A full-bodied, big, yes, please, I want. Not a maybe, sure, okay, fine. Oh, all right, I'll do it. None of that. We don't want maybes. We don't want okay, fines. We want hell yes. If you give a hell yes to something, do it. If you don't, then maybe take a step back, pause, see what you do want, and communicate that to the person that you are interacting with. I mean, it's 2021. Consent is not just like a blurred line anymore. No, no, it's quite clear now. Yeah, it's cut in stone and I am clad. And it's good that people are feeling empowered. And that's the thing is the only way we can avoid those destructive uh, sexual experiences is if we empower ourselves to have a voice and to say what we do want, but also what we don't want. Mm -hmm. That is extremely clear. And I guarantee your partner who's having the experience with you We'll want to know that. Often we have this assumption that we put all this pressure on our partner to give us and find our pleasure zones and to like, again, it's that sense of assuming that your partner, and this is a vice versa regardless of gender identity, it is assumed your partner must give you that orgasm and give you that pleasure. It's not. You must communicate that to your partner. We are not mind readers. We are human beings. Like we have to communicate what we want and what we don't want. Um, in order to have a successful and enjoyable, pleasurable experience. Of course. Thank you for giving us lots of perspective. From my you are so welcome. It's my absolute pleasure. <laughs> yeah, the highlight is my rights. The part about my rights, and I can say no, even if I've already consented at the beginning, I can change my mind. That was also nice to hear. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you agree, and then once it's happening, you feel like you have to continue and finish. Mm-hmm. And many people feel that once you're in the interaction, you don't want to disappoint, right? You don't want to be mm. like, oh, shame. They won't like me if I say no. That's True. cool. 
If you say no and they don't like you, bye. You don't really want to date someone who doesn't care for your well-being. So bye, you can leave. (laughs) We take back, we reclaim our standards as well. And our power. Exactly. And that's what it's about. We're rewriting pleasure. We're rewriting these scripts. And that's what's so important. Everyone (laughs) deserves pleasure. It's your human right. Another Mm. womandla for that one. (laughs) For sure. Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Sisters Without Shame New. Remember to check out the detailed article on intimacy and sexual pleasure on healthformzanzi.co.za. Now remember, if you are in a medical jam, you can send an email to hello at healthformzanzi.co.za. That's H-E-L-L-O at healthformzanzi.co.za. Or you can send an emergency WhatsApp or SMS to 076-132-0454. That's 076-132-0454. It's the fact that I come out of every episode with more knowledge for me. This week, I'm even questioning my own journey with intimacy. What's the take-home message for you, Sine? Lose, I honestly loved how you stressed the importance of consent. You know, it is not some fine line you can cross because details were murky. Consent is set in stone. I don't feel like it is a no. Hesitancy is a no-no. You are allowed to say no wherever you feel like it. I do agree that sex and intimacy should be a shared experience. Vocalize your needs to make it pleasurable. Like Area 51 and the Bermuda Triangle, the female orgasm is something of a mystery. You are not broken though, if you have never had one too. You are a snowflake, unique and deserving of good hanky-panky experiences. That brings us to the end of episode 7 of Sisters Without Shame. Proudly brought to you by Health from Zanzi from me, Lulu Nakani. And me, Sinesipa Tom. Have a great week and remember to show us some love by sharing this podcast with a friend. Mm-hmm.